Hi, my name is Simon. I'm one of the pastors here at Arlington Countryside Church. And here at Arlington Countryside Church, we are all Detroit Lions fans. <laughs> Obviously, I'm kidding. I'm probably the only one. However, today the Bears and Lions play. And so if you're watching this in the morning or at live at acchurch.org, good luck later this afternoon. If you're watching it later in the evening or sometime later in the week, I'm sorry for your loss. <laughs> Uh, I say that not to be a distraction or to be funny, but just to say here at ACC, we're real people. We watch sports, we hang out, we have jobs, and, and you're a real person too. And we believe that no matter where you're at, no matter what sports teams you root for, no matter where you work, no matter what your spiritual background is, you can experience new life in Jesus Christ today. And I hope we lead you to do that. Uh, a couple announcements for you. If somewhere on your screen, there should be a link for a communication card. If you could fill that out and then you can put on uh, prayer requests on that, we would love to pray with you. Um, a couple other things. Uh, during this Advent season, during this Christmas season where we're waiting for Jesus's uh, birth, send the link and invite somebody. Right now, a lot of people are open to checking out these services that maybe wouldn't want to come to a church building. Uh, wouldn't want to come to a church building. Send it out. Share it with your friends, families, coworkers, neighbors, all the people that you love. Thanks.
This is the Old Testament reading for today. Isaiah 11, verses 1 through 5. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will never judge by appearance, false evidence, or hearsay. He will defend the poor and the exploited. He will rule against the wicked and destroy them with the breath of his mouth. He will be clothed with fairness and truth. The New Testament passage for today is from Mark 1, verses 1 through 8. Here begins the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. In the book of the prophet Isaiah, God said, Look, I am sending a messenger before you, and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare a path for the Lord's coming. Make straight a road for him. This messenger was John the Baptist. He lived in the wilderness and was preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had turned from their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. People from Jerusalem and from all over Judea traveled out to the wilderness to see and hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from camel hair, and he wore a leather belt. His food was locusts and wild honey. He announced, Someone is coming soon who is far greater than I am, so much greater that I'm not even worthy to be his slave. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Children weep no more Hope is on the horizon Weary world behold Your promised Messiah Angels let your song
over all who mourn breaks the dawn of salvation darkness reigns no few years back, my wife Karen and I went to a concert at the Old Town School of Folk Music in the city, and we were there to see a folk group uh, over the Rhine. Over the Rhine uh, primarily consists of a uh, married couple, uh, Linford and Karen Burquist, and uh, we really like their music, Over the Rhine. I'd encourage you to check them out if you want. But anyway, at this, at this concert, it was a Christmas-December concert and um, they have a song on their album and they performed it uh, and the title of it is um, All I Ever Get for Christmas is Blue All I Ever Get for Christmas is Blue is the name of the song and as Karen was introducing it uh, she said you know folks I'm just trying to keep it real and everybody chuckled because everybody relates, everybody understands what she's talking about that sometimes Christmas isn't an exciting, happy, warm, joyous time, but sometimes it's cold and feels dark, and um, it's a time when people can struggle with depression and really, you know, feeling down. And so when she said, hey, I'm just trying to keep it real, um, people connected with that. They, they understood what she was talking about. You know, it, it's recognizing, I'm recognizing now that for a lot of people, uh, this Christmas season is a down time. It's down for, it could be down a time for a lot of different reasons. It could be uh, that you're mourning, that you're, you've suffered a loss, and this Christmas uh, a beloved family member isn't going to be there, and, and that's really, really hard. Um, it could be maybe you've gone through a divorce in the past year, and uh, the family gathering is going to look different. Maybe financially you've lost your job, or you've lost a big chunk of your income, and so uh, the presents aren't going to be there like they usually are, and, and that's hard to deal with. Uh, there's so many things that, that can make this a downtime. Um, this year, obviously, with the pandemic, COVID-related challenges and issues and, and not being able to get together with our families the way we typically do, that's really hard, and that can make us feel melancholy. There's a lot of different things that can make us say, all I get for Christmas is blue. Um the writer of the carol, 
that we're looking at today could totally connect with the song All I Ever Get for Christmas is Blue. He'd be all over that. So today, the carol that we're looking at is probably, um, not probably, it's definitely the least well-known carol of all the ones we're looking at. Um, it's, it's the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Do you know it? I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. I find this carol fascinating, and especially the story behind this song fascinating, and I think you will as well. The writer of this song is one of America's best-known poets, uh, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. Henry, Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, in the background, um, uh, gives a lot of extra meaning to the words that he penned. He wrote this song as a poem. Um, it wasn't set to music till a number of years later. But as it turns out, just to give you some context for the penning of this poem, um, in 1860, um, Longfellow was at the peak of his success as a poet in the United States. And uh, interesting trivia fact, um, also true about Longfellow, is that he was a leading abolitionist. He um, donated a tremendous amount of money to the abolitionist movement, and he was very outspoken against slavery. And so he used his platform as a famous poet uh, to fight against slavery. And that was really driven from, uh, came out of his Christian uh, faith. In 1860, uh, Longfellow was at the peak of his success, but things soon turned dark for America. Now, Lincoln had, Abraham Lincoln had just been elected president, and that had given hope uh, to our country. But it turned dark real quick um, for America and for um, Longfellow. In 1861, the Civil War uh, broke out and tore our country in two. Um, also in 1861, Longfellow's uh, wife died in a tragic accident in their home. Um, Longfellow suffered severe burns on his hands and face while trying in vain to rescue his wife. Um, he was so badly burned that he couldn't even attend his wife's funeral. And um, because of the burns he suffered on his face, he was no longer able to shave. And that's why in the photo of him, you just saw he uh, sports that long beard. But we, we have the records, his journals during this time frame that I think give you insight into his psyche, where he was at. On Christmas Day in 1861, upon his wife dying and uh, the Civil War beginning. And Christmas Day, 1861, he wrote, how, in, how inexpressibly sad are the holidays. In 1862, the toll of the war began to mount. And in his diary, then he wrote, Christmas Day, 1862, a Merry Christmas, say the children, but there is no more for me. In 1863, his oldest son, Charles, had run away to join the Union Army, and he was severely wounded. He took a bullet um, just underneath his shoulder blade that had nicked, ended up nicking his spine and left him partially paralyzed. And his son came home from the war in December of 1863. And so in his journal that year, there was no entry. 
Longfellow wanted to pull out of his despair. And so he decided to try to capture the joy of Christmas in verse. And so he began his poem. And so his journal entry, Christmas Day, uh, 1864, says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. As he continued to write, he was stopped by the thought of the condition of his beloved country. The Battle of Gettysburg had just taken place, and the days looked dark, and he was probably wondering to himself, how can I write about peace on earth, goodwill to men, when our country is at war, and brother is fighting against brother, and father is fighting against son? But he kept going. And so in the next stanza, he wrote this, and in despair... I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do you feel that way now? With all that's been happening in our world and specifically in our country, it's easy to kind of have that sentiment now. But then catching an eternal perspective and engaging his faith, uh, the real message of Christmas and Christ himself, he wrote this in the final stanza as he turns a corner. Yet pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, goodwill to men. I love those words. Some thoughts from God's word when Christmas is hard for you. And I want to address them here. Some of you might be thinking, Dave, this is a downer. What are you doing? This is supposed to be, you know, good feelings. And this seems like it's a bummer, like it's a downer. And and, uh, I understand that. But I want you to know this, that for many people, everything isn't good. And the truth is, many people struggle this time of year, and especially after all we've been through in the year 2020, I think more people than usual are feeling a little bit down. And so I hope you'll allow me to address this. And the truth is, you might not be feeling down. You might be feeling basically like you do every other Christmas, but I guarantee you there's a lot of people around you who aren't feeling okay, who are feeling blue. And so you need to be sensitive to them and realize God might want to use you to help build them up. And so being aware of this dynamic, especially in this year, is vital. So some thoughts from God's word when Christmas is hard for you. Just three ideas here, okay? The first is this. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel blue. People get like a double punch in the gut, right? Because they're down for various circumstantial reasons. But what makes their feeling down even worse is this time of year, you're not supposed to feel down. You're supposed to feel the exact opposite. So they feel that pressure that put up a facade of feeling good, doing okay, but they're being hypocritical. They don't really feel that way at all. And they look at other families, they look at other Facebook and Instagram quotes where it seems like everybody is wonderful and everybody's home looks awesome and you know that's not the way it is for them and so that depression they're feeling that downness they're feeling is kind of um, amplified uh, because it's a time of year where that kind of thing isn't socially acceptable Um, 
But here's the gift I want to give you this Christmas. It's okay to feel sad. I don't think you should deny the way you feel. I don't think you should try to put on a facade of, of everything's okay, everything's peachy keen when it's not. Okay, so it's okay to feel sad. And I want to tell you this, that you're probably not a weakling. You're probably not being wimpy. It doesn't necessarily mean you lack faith because you're struggling, because you're feeling sad. Okay? And the bonus gift I want to give to you is this. You are not alone. You may feel alone. You may look around you and it seems like you're the only one that's down. But the truth is a lot of others aren't feeling very holly and jolly this season either. And so you can take a certain amount of solace, a certain amount of comfort in the fact that you're not alone in how you're feeling. I love in the gospel accounts in the life of Christ, uh, the gospel writers portray Jesus not only in his full deity, but also in his full humanity. And so uh, in, in the accounts of his life, Jesus expresses the full range of human emotions. And emotions are, are the way God built us. He made us to be people who emote, people who feel. And uh, that's a gift from God. And so we shouldn't deny our feelings. We shouldn't try ignoring our feelings or repressing our feelings but recognizing them. And Jesus displayed a full range of human emotions, including deep sorrow, grief. In John 11, verse 35, we read uh, the simple short phrase, then Jesus wept. And that word wept is the idea of just breaking down, of shoulder shrugging, weeping, crying. And it was upon... Um, the death of one of his close friends, a close family friend of his for many years, Lazarus had passed away. And so Jesus in his humanity just broke down. That sin has ravaged our world. It's broken our world and people die and death is a horrible thing. Death is a hard thing to deal with. And so I'm so thankful that Luke or that John recorded that Jesus wept. That that didn't make him a bad person. That didn't make him lack faith, the fact that he would weep upon a great loss. And so Jesus validated the feelings of sorrow and loss. Now, I want to take you to a significant passage of Scripture. It's Romans 12, verse 15. And it says this. It says, Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Folks, this is basic people skills 101, okay? And it takes a certain level of emotional intelligence to catch on here, but I think you can, okay? And this is fantastic relational advice. To be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. That to come into a room and read it and see people are happy and then pull them down, that's a mistake. But also the people people who are down and you immediately try cheering them up, they're going to hate you for it. They're not going to appreciate you for it. What brings people comfort 
is empathy, to come alongside of them and feel what they're feeling, to understand a little bit better where they're coming from, whether they're happy and excited or whether they're sad, to, to emote how they're emoting and to give empathy to where they're at is Basic People Skills 101. And so this is such significant advice here in Romans 12. It Note what it doesn't say is belittle those who weep or rebuke those who weep. It says cry alongside of them to empathize in their grieving. What it tells us is that there's nothing shameful or abnormal about feeling blue. And so I want to encourage you to feel those feelings, to not repress them. It's okay to be sad. Now, here's the second thought from God's Word I want to share with you. In light of what we just said, I want to challenge you. I want to encourage you to be sure to reach out to others. You were never made to go it alone. We were all made to live out our faith in community. And so I want to remind you of something. I know you know this, but I'm going to remind you anyway. Your spouse, your family, your friends are not mind readers. They can easily miss the fact that you're down, you're depressed. They might not notice it. And you need to articulate how you're feeling to those closest to you. I I know there's been times in my life where um, I've walked away from spending time with my wife or with some friends, and I'm kind of resentful. You know, I'm thinking to myself, man, how could they have not noticed that I'm, I'm depressed, that I'm down? How could they have not noticed that I'm angry? Why didn't they ask me why I'm depressed? Why didn't they ask me why I'm angry, why I'm angry? But you know what? For the most part, I was putting up a facade. I was covering it up. And so I was feeling these strong feelings on the inside, but I really wasn't showing them. And what I definitely didn't do is I didn't articulate them. And then I walk away kind of resentful at my friends or family that they didn't try comforting me. They didn't try talking to me about it. You know what? That's not fair. They're not mind readers, right? And so it's important that especially to those we're closest to, we articulate how we're feeling, especially when we're struggling. Now, that takes courage, for sure. And it takes you being able to trust those you're confiding in, um, that they're not going to shame you or rebuke you. But we need to articulate to others. Galatians 6, verse 2, gives us this advice. It says, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. Share each other's burdens. It recognizes the fact that sometimes in life we carry burdens. And the word for burden used here in the Greek is the picture of a really heavy load, like an impressive load, a load that's like breaking you down. And from time to time, we all carry heavy loads. And oftentimes, that heavy load is depression. It's feeling down. And we're called upon to share each other's burdens. And the reason why is because in this way, you obey the law of Christ. Now, what is the law of Christ? That's a New Testament way of saying the law of Christ means to love others, to love others the way that you want to be loved. And so if you really want to love others in a Jesus-like way, then you will 
help to bear their burdens. You may not be feeling down, and that's great. So come alongside of them and take some of the burden off their shoulders by sitting with them, by crying with them, by listening to them, by asking good questions, by just validating their feelings. All those things are way that you, ways that you share the burden with others who are feeling down. There's no valor for suffering in silence or in isolation. You don't get any special bonus points. You don't get any brownie points for enduring by yourself. And so I want to talk to you to, I want to encourage you to talk to others, pray to God, gain better perspective through opening up. And when I was originally thinking about this point, I guess I, I was thinking the, the primary challenge I had in mind was those of you who are feeling down need to have the courage to articulate, to speak out, to reach out to others. But I realized as this sermon developed, what I also mean by this point is you need to reach out to others who you suspect might be feeling down. And so those you know have lost their job, those you know who have suffered a loss of some kind in this past year or two, uh, that, that you need to be sensitive to where they're at and reach out to them. Pay attention. And I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to ask a blunt question, especially to someone you're close to, and say, hey, in light of all you've been through this past year, it wouldn't surprise me if you're feeling kind of depressed now, are you? That's not a weird question. That's a caring question. And so if you suspect somebody might be struggling, man, you know, when you're having a private conversation with them, just come out with it. Say, hey, I'm concerned about you. I'm praying about you. I'm thinking about you. Are you struggling now or are you doing okay? And then listen and allow them to articulate. And maybe they're fine and that's great, but they'll appreciate the fact that you cared enough to bring up the topic. But if they are feeling down, you've given them the freedom now to um, get some help and get some encouragement uh, from you. Finally, last thought from God's word I want to share this morning is this. Be assured, know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you and cares for you. Don't doubt in the dark what you always knew to be true in the light. It's easy to believe God loves you and cares for you when things are good. But when our circumstances turn dark, it's easy to start having doubts. But never doubt in the dark what you always knew to be true in the light. It's interesting. You're, um, we referred to it um, two weeks ago, I think it was, in my sermon about the story of Job and how Satan just devastated his life and caused tremendous loss for him, taking away all his possessions, taking away all of his children. And uh, I was saying about the story of Job this week, and um, when Satan uh, approached God and asked it for permission to um, test Job's faith, the accusation that Satan had against Job was this. Satan said to God, the only reason why Job loves you, the only reason why Job worships you is because he's got it good. He's got a nice family. He's got a nice home. He drives a, a nice chariot. He's got great horses. You know, he's, he's got it made. But man, if he lost those things, he'd curse you. In other words, what Satan was accusing Job of was being a paid lover of Jesus Christ. Being a paid lover of God. Yeah, as long as things are good, I'm going to love God. But if things go sour, 
then I'm not so sure. That's the accusation that he was making against Job. And it's why God allowed Job to be tested, to prove Job's faith, that whether it's in good times or bad times, he would cling to God, even though it might be hard. The truth is, God's heart is broken when your heart is broken. I was doing some uh, inner work in my life a few years back, and I was struggling, and uh, I felt myself accusing God over a specific incident in my background, and I, I remember struggling with the thought, God really doesn't care. He didn't care when that happened back a number of years ago, and why didn't he intervene? Why didn't he help out more? Why did he allow that to happen? And I was questioning God's love and care. And through a series of things that I worked through, it was brought out to me that God wept when that happened. God's heart was broken when that happened. And so when we're crushed, when we're broken, God understands that. God feels that and he comes alongside of us. And many of you can give testimony to God coming alongside of you in your darkest times. I love Psalm 34, 18. I'd encourage you, this might be a great verse for you to memorize. In the very least, get out your Bible and highlight this or underline it. Psalm 34, 18 says this. What a great promise. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. When you're brokenhearted, God doesn't ignore you. He's not disappointed in you. It says that he's close to the brokenhearted. And when your spirit is crushed, God doesn't push you off to the side, but he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. There's a spiritual principle that's taught in the New Testament, and it's this. Draw near to God. It's in the book of James. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. And so when we take steps to draw near to God, we will experience his presence in our life. And so I want to ask you, are you taking the time in this season to nurture your spiritual life, to maintain and develop your relationship with God? So I'm talking. Where's the place of scripture in your daily life now? Are you reading your Bible at all? Are you doing any kind of personal devos? Second, are you putting any concentrated time, specific time in prayer? Are you taking time just to be quiet, to have a little bit of silence, a little bit of solitude? Uh, are you are you taking time to really engage with, with church online and really worshiping and really learning from the word? Because you see, if you make specific steps to draw near to God, he promises to draw near to you and he'll be close to you and bring you the things you need to help you deal with life when it's difficult. Romans 8, verse 31 and 32 uh, is such a powerful truth. Uh, It's so encouraging. Look what Romans 8, verse 31 and 32. And these words come on the heels of Paul writing in Romans chapter 8 about all that is all that God has done for us in Christ Jesus, all the blessings we have in Christ Jesus, that that Christ loved us enough to die for us, that he's forgiven us, he's brought us into relationship with God, he's delivered us from shame and from fear. There's so many blessings in Christ, and in light of all that God has done for us, including giving us the gift of eternal life, then look what these words say. 
What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? You see, the good news of Jesus Christ is proof beyond a shadow of a doubt that God loves you like no one else. That Christ loved us while we were still sinners. And that if God was willing to give his only son to die on the cross on our behalf, isn't he willing to help us out when we're feeling down? Isn't, isn't he willing to carry us through dark days? And the answer is yes, absolutely he is. And that's spiritual truth you need to know and you need to count on. You need to find hope. You need to place your faith in those truths that God is with us. God is for us and not against us. The gospel proves that God loves you. Well, I think we're now about ready to sing Henry Wadsworth Longfellow's song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. If you're blue, if you're sad, know that you are loved and know that the way you're feeling won't last forever. And so hang in there. And I'd encourage you to have the courage to reach out to someone just so someone can empathize with you, someone can weep alongside of you. I want to also encourage you to reach out to us, allow us as a church to pray for you, whether you want to make it confidential just for our, our leaders in the church or for the congregation as a whole. Man, if you haven't already filled out your communication card, um, Ask for prayer, man. We would love to pray for you. And if you have already filled out your communication card, then email the church office. Email me personally. And we would love to be able to come alongside of you in prayer, okay? So now I invite you to feel the full range of emotions that a Longfellow experienced as he penned these words on Christmas Day, 1864. He felt deep grief. He felt sorrow, discouragement that transitioned into hope and joy that is found only in Jesus Christ. And so Pastor Adam and the worship team will come now and lead us in singing the song.
For hate is strong and marks the song of peace on earth, good going to continue our worship uh, through offering. Um, right now we're going to pray for the offering and we're also going to pray for our year-end giving project that's above and beyond our normal giving. So let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all you've blessed us with. Thank you for all you've given us. And I pray that as we give uh, to the church that we can use it wisely, that we can use it uh, to advance your kingdom, to share your good news with our families, friends, co-workers, neighbors, and all people that we love. Uh, thank you that you love us and care for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May the love of the Father, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in peace. Serve him. Alrighty, welcome back to week two of the ACC Advent 2020. Hashtag scattered together ornament crafts. And this week, the only thing you need that's not included in your kit is some scissors. Let's get started. So first things first, you're going to take the twine from your kit uh, and you should have three of them. And you're gonna tie a knot at the end of each of them, and so that way you can thread the bell on later and it will stay on there. So let's tie three knots. And after tying the knots, we are now gonna slide the bells onto the twine. Looks like you might need to double knot some of them to make it big enough that the jingle bell won't slide through. Alrighty, and the next step in the process is we are going to tie the unknotted ends together. And so the trick here is you have to decide uh, how you want the jingle bells to look. Do you want them all to be the same length? Do you want them to be slightly different? I want my three to be slightly different lengths. So I'm gonna put them right there. And now I'm gonna tie the top together. We are now on to step three, and so we are going to tie the ribbon to the jingle bells. And so we are going to tie these ribbons as close on here as we can to the bell.
there we go. Now at this point, you see how these are kind of long? You can, you can cut the ribbon to whatever your desired length is. If you want them kind of longer, go for it. If you want them kind of shorter, go for it. But we're gonna cut them to my preferred length. And uh, the next step is now tying a ribbon to the top of the ornament. There we go, and now if you have some twine left over from the end of the bells, you, you can leave it if you want to, but you can also cut it off so that way it's not hanging long. Uh, but other than that, this ornament is done. Go hang it on the tree.